Welcome to that Tree Lady podcast, episode six. Your tree type and friction. Let's talk about marriage. Hi, everybody. This is probably the episode so far that I'm the most excited about <laughs> because the content that I'll be sharing with you today has become a fixed part of what I do in premarital counseling, and even though we just had a marriage seminar and I really wanted to get to it. We didn't share it with couples this year, but if I ever had to put together a marriage curriculum, this would be right there in the middle. And this little module, if you will, about friction, I call it fight words, this little module, and it was born really from a, a debriefing my husband and I had, and it was after presenting a marriage weekend to couples. And you know, before you do something like that, you assess your own marriage, you get very real, and you probably come to the conclusion that you have no authority to talk to anybody else about anything's marriage-related. And in a sense, we, we don't. We are extremely different. And friction is the state of our marriage when neither of us are being intentional. So I can reduce friction if I'm intentional about adapting to my husband's personality style. He's pine palm. I am the opposite box rose. And so if he does not adapt, then there is friction. If we both adapt, man, there's harmony. <laughs> Sometimes in tall trees, we talk about, about flow, friction, and fire. So we we camp out somewhere between friction and fire unless we intentionally choose to flow. And flowing means adapting. Flowing means stepping out of my natural communication style into yours. And so back to the little story. So we presented this weekend seminar. And the week around that seminar <laughs> was not good in our house. And so after the seminar, we it happened to be very close to our anniversary weekend, somebody gave us a weekend in a beautiful place called Banner Elk up in the mountains close to where we live. And, um, oh, it's winter. It was the week first weekend in December and there was snow. It was just, just gorgeous. And we spent hours and hours going over the material we had just taught. Uh, me and my team had just taught everybody at this marriage conference. And we chewed on everything, processed it, and made huge strides in terms of planning a bucket list and all sorts of things. And when we got to the communication section, my husband said, honey, we need more than this. We need fight words. Now, if you think about military language, we were once on this 4 by 4 trip with military types, 4 by 4 vehicles in the desert, and you go over the dunes in a particular way, and I mean, they are on the on the shortwave radios, and they tell you exactly what to do, and they call you when it's your turn to kind of cap this dune, go over it, go through the valley, and you're not allowed to put on the brakes. You have to go against every instinct in your body, and you have to you have to pedal that gas and go over a dune without seeing what's on the other side. Or you get stuck on the top and all four winds are, you know, in the air or, or four wheels. And that happened to us a couple of times. And then we had to be towed over the 
top of the hill. So you have to listen to these military types and let them tell you how to do this. So they will tell you if you're going too slowly, if you're going too fast. And they'll tell you as you're coming down that dune, not to break, but to actually keep your foot on that gas pedal until you're out at the valley at the bottom. And on one such a descent, um, my husband looked at the tracks in the at the bottom of the dune and decided he was going to lay a different little bit of a wider track. It kind of felt better. And the radio just crackled on and somebody said to a wreck, please stay on the tracks. And my husband answered, oh, we were just making new tracks. And this military response came, negative. Now, in normal conversations, we don't respond with negative. We respond with no. And that no can mean, no, I don't agree. No, I don't think it's a good idea. Or no, you shouldn't have done that. It can mean all sorts of things. But when somebody tells you negative, it means absolutely don't ever do that again. So there, it, it cuts through normal conversation because it's not a word we use like that normally and you sit up pay attention and realize okay (laughs) I'm not going to do that again this military person is not going to allow me now similarly when we say things like no or hey you're not being nice or stop it or okay I'm going to leave those words don't hit home properly in friction in marriage We don't hear that anymore. We don't stop and realize we are getting into tracks that we should not be making. We are not obeying the rules of the road to arrive at harmony and agreement. We need to stop and listen to this radio because different language is coming through. That is why some of these words I'm going to share are not words we typically use in conversation. And that's the whole idea that we're supposed to get the other person's attention and say, hey, the way you and I are communicating right now, negative. They're like, no, we have to stop this, change gears, take a little bit of a time out or adjust how we are processing this conversation and start over. So this is my long little intro to 10 fight words that I want to unpack with you today. So I am going to post them on my website. So if you want to go and copy them off, print them out somewhere. I have a hand-scribbled note that is actually, I just pulled it off of our cupboard door. Um, I'm going to have to get a new double piece of double-sided tape to put it back because it's permanently on the cupboard door in our bedroom for me as a reminder to communicate according to these rules and to use these words and not my default pattern. So I'm going to go and stick it back on. And I suggest you... Have a little printout for yourself. So go to edibrits.com, go to the blog section and go look for 10 fight words. And in case you don't want to make notes right now or you're driving. Okay, so fight word number one is the word fact. Now, very often we get into a disagreement about something that one party knows a lot about and the other knows very little But the circumstances prohibit me from informing you of all the facts that you will need in order to arrive at the same conclusion that I have just reached. And I need to get you to be on my page without being able to explain all these facts to you. And that creates a crisis. Here is a practical example. It's Sunday morning. Church has just been dismissed. You're in the lobby. And up comes a couple and invites you to lunch. 
and and your husband goes, of course we'd like to go with you. But what had just happened half an hour earlier is I saw a text during church, which I shouldn't have looked at, from a family member saying, please come over to our house. Our son has tried to commit suicide. You need to come and talk to us. Um, please come as soon as church is out. So now here are people inviting us to lunch. I know something my husband doesn't know. I haven't had time to inform him. I definitely cannot put this explosive information on the table right now in front of these unsuspecting friends of ours. So I need to turn to my, I can turn to my husband and say, honey, facts. And then say, we would love to have lunch with you next week, but we're not going to be able to make it today. And then because I said, honey, facts, my husband will know there is something I cannot explain right now that when he knows it, he will absolutely agree that we have to say no to this invitation, but it's not the place to unpack the reasons for it. So, of course, using this word in conversation in public means I'm asking you to trust me. And this is an agreement we are going to have to reach with one another, that when the other person says facts and reverses your decision, that you are going to have to trust them. If after hearing the facts, you think they made the wrong call, then then have your fight. Fair enough. Then tell each other that that's not how we are going to be using this word in future. But it comes in extremely handy in those conversations about who should be where for Christmas when some kind of a commitment has already been made to one mother and now you are with the mother-in-law and, and she's asking where you're going to be for Christmas and you just can't have this conversation right now. So facts means, honey, I know something you don't know. If you knew it, you'd agree with me. So trust me, I'm reversing your decision and I'll explain afterwards. We find that it's very helpful in parenting as well. Say, for example, you know that your child is in love with a particular boy and your husband doesn't know it. It was this very intimate mom and teenage daughter conversation. And now she's asking if she could go to his sister's house for a sleepover at age 14. And your husband knows it's a beautiful, God-fearing family. And he says, yes, this is your point to say, honey, facts, and then go, sweetie, not right now, maybe in a year or so, I don't, I don't feel you're ready. And then for your husband not to second guess you and for that conversation to, um, to be taken privately later. And it is acceptable if that is where your relationship with your daughter is to say to your husband, we had a confidential inform conversation a while ago that convinced me that this is not a good idea, but I'm not going to break trust and tell you about it, give it a little bit of time. And so, so facts, that word is all about trusting each other and trusting each other's judgment. The next word kind of links up with that, and that's the word territory. Now, if you have very different personalities like my husband and I do, then it means your giftings are very different. And there are areas of life and parenting and business and finances and household management and and all sorts of decisions that you may be more gifted at than your spouse and vice versa. And so if you've been married for a while, you've probably naturally and um, organically determined territories. 
Say, for example, decisions regarding the payment of people who do work around your house. Maybe your wife just has a gift to know what a reasonable amount is. Maybe you are really soft-hearted and, and not a good negotiator. So you've decided that she negotiates payment to contract workers. Or maybe the husband is just much better at shopping. He doesn't pick up all sorts of things you don't need. He is able to stretch every penny. So he's the one doing the monthly shopping. Things like that often happen where, because of personality types, we take on territories in marriage that are not very traditional. You may be a more traditional couple where the husband is more um, comfortable with quick and big decisions and the wife prefers it that way. Then your territories may be classical and, and mom may be the one making decisions uh, regarding everything that happens with the children and inside the house and schooling and so forth. It is really helpful to have a conversation where these territories are actually spelled out, where territories where we often clash and fight are, are highlighted and we say, you know where we have the most disagreements? It's about savings or it's about social permission or denial of permission to our children. Um, you always say, yes, they can go. And I kind of lean towards, no, they can't go. So let's decide once and for all, who is going to lead decisions in this category? Now, I am a firm believer that God has wired women and men differently and that some decisions should be kept in that traditional sphere. And I know that I have suffered great losses and great regrets for thinking I can make certain decisions better than my husband and for not submitting to his leadership. So let that be on the record. But small day-to-day -day decisions where mom is a little bit better informed about what goes on in the children's lives, maybe that territory needs to be firmed up. And we need to say, um, I know everything about the homeschooling, so it's not going to be a very productive decision. If my husband says, what you just spent on the math curriculum is ridiculous, I need you to send it back and get a refund. Um, because history shows that he probably has never seen the cost of any element of their curriculum, and therefore his lack of experience in this territory means he cannot make the best decisions here. And so, very humbly, if I'm trying to make a decision in a territory like car costs or insurance, my husband should say, honey, territory. And that means I do not have time to educate you about all the aspects of this decision that you can't even think of. You do not have the history. You do not have you do not bear the consequences of this, decisions, uh, this decision as much as I do, and so I can't allow you to make it. And so that is why it links up a little bit with facts, facts, but the difference is that this is not a conversation we're having in public where we can't explain because of the people who are around us. This is a conversation the two of us are having, maybe with, with a child or two present, but the bottom line is, this is just an area of our lives that I have been managed so 
for so long and where I have seen the consequences of various decisions repeatedly to the extent that I think this should be the area where I listen to your input, I take your perspective on board and then I do make the final call because I feel I am mainly responsible for this territory. And then we are now kind of going to segue into a different type of fight word. And these are to regulate the emotional components, not the information, because facts and territory regulate facts, but these regulate the emotional situation that's happening. The one is the word unfair. The other one is the word process. And I'm going to do a third one here called not the time. That's a little phrase. So unfair process and not the time. Now, many of us have a history of being called certain things or being criticized for aspects of our personality or being punished for ways in which we communicate. And so when we are in conflict with others and they put their finger on that sensitive spot, we overreact. And the overreaction sets the tone for unraveling of communication and it takes what was a calm conversation into an irrational one where emotions boil over. And so a wise thing to do is the moment we feel triggered in a conversation by a word or a phrase, an attack, an accusation, you know, th that idea that somebody is now becoming personal and taking their eyes off the ball, we can say this word, we can say unfair. And then it is the other party's responsibility to figure out what about what I just said is so triggering for you, is so hurtful. It's often just a word such as arrogant or irresponsible or stupid or even an like you are cold or you are so emotional or you are hysterical right now or you're being ridiculous. Words such as hysterical, ridiculous, stupid, um, irresponsible, immature, are triggering words for one another. Now, every couple should have their own list of forbidden words. And I mean that seriously. If I called unfair and my spouse says, was it me calling you overly emotional? And I say, yes, that is what it is. Then it means overly emotional goes on the forbidden word list. Because what would be the point of knowing, if I say this, I trigger you, what would be the point of repeating that in a conversation where we are trying to get back to common ground? No point. If I used something my spouse marked as an unfair word that hurts unnecessarily, if I use that again, it means I intend to cause conflict. I intend to hurt. I intend to to humiliate. And I'm hoping that that is not the case in your marriage, that you ever want to do that. So forbidden words are kind of the result of calling something unfair and then backing it up. And I suggest the following exchange. I call unfair, you check. Was it this? Was it that? I say, yes, it was that. And you acknowledge and say, I don't want to hurt you. I take that back. And then rephrase. Instead of saying you're over, 
overly emotional, say something like, this is very upsetting for you. Because that is highlighting to the other person that you are seeing a lot of emotion, but it's also acknowledging that there may be a good reason for it. Process is something we say where we think, I probably shouldn't be overreacting to this, but it is just throwing me, not necessarily only on an emotional level, but also on a mental level. I cannot believe you just said that, and I'm going to have to think about that. And I may respond in a way that blows up this whole conversation if I don't take a little bit of time. So I'm calling a time out for myself to go and process what's just been said. Maybe in the middle of a conversation about going away on vacation or not and whether we can afford it or not, somebody says, I've always wanted to go away for vacation, but you always put your work first. Now, the word always is probably one we can call unfair on because always... Um, is not a helpful word. But maybe you just realize for the first time or you are confronted for the first time with the idea that your spouse feels you put your work above the relationship. And you realize you want to think about that and you want to think if that is really what you did. And if it is really what you did, you want to apologize. But it's kind of, oh, wait a minute, that's coming at me too fast. I'm going to need to think before I respond, or it is something that doesn't throw your mind for a loop, but actually your heart, where somebody suddenly in a conversation that was about bread says, this year I've often thought about divorce for the first time in our marriage, 25 years in, divorce is coming to mind constantly. Now, whoa, that is a major bullseye that you can shoot at now and cause a really aggressive conversation, or you can slow this whole thing down and say, okay, honey, process, or whatever you call your spouse, maybe you don't call them honey. You can say, sweetheart, process. This also says to your spouse, what you just said is a change of direction in this conversation. And I need to think about it, and you may even need to think about what you just said. And And I'm going to need time to get back to this conversation. And then when we call process, we commit to continuing this conversation. So we say, process, you just said you've been thinking about divorce often. I need to process this. Can we please continue this conversation tonight after dinner? Or if it's late at night and you know this is going to escalate because you feel emotions rising in you, Then you say, I love you, and I do want to have this conversation with you, but I'm calling process, and I want to give you a hug, and I want to go to sleep, and I want to deal with this when we are both fresh and have had a good night's sleep. This is not the same as letting the sun set on your anger, because you connect relationally. You say, say, honey, I do want to discuss this with you, or wow. Um, I see here is something worth talking through, but I can't do it now. I need time to process this. But note the very important thing. If you call process, you have to make an appointment (laughs) for when you are going to be ready. And then you have to keep that appointment because this is not 
a ticket to dodge conflict. This is not permission to sweep something under the rug. This is also not a way to get out of a conversation that makes you uncomfortable. Because there are some personalities who would love to have permission to do exactly that. I did not give you permission to do exactly that by giving you this word. The next one is not the time. And that is almost the same as process. But this is telling the other person, you need a timeout. So process is putting myself in a timeout to process. Not the time is putting you in a timeout. Now we do this when we can see that our spouse is not okay to have a rational conversation. Our spouse is starting to cuss or kick things or throw something or is taking an aggressive physical posture, um, which scares us, or is um, slamming doors, or doing something else that is telling us there is no way this is going to be rational from here on out. It can also just be, because these are not things I've ever seen my spouse do, but... I can sometimes see that he is tired or I can see that he he really needs to go watch his football game right now and not have this conversation because he's probably just going to agree with me to get out of the conversation in time to go watch his game. So we're not going to have a constructive one right now. But he is willing to push through with this um, conflict situation for the sake of of reaching some kind of harmony, which is a goal of a pine palm at all times. But I, I realize, okay, wait, this is not the time and he is not going to stop. So I'm going to p- push the pause button and say, hey, um, go watch your game. We'll continue this afterwards. Or, hey, l- let's go to sleep. I can see that you are tired. Let's take this up again in the morning. Or, you are very angry and that is not making for a great conversation now please tell me when you are in a better mood and we'll continue now this in some relationships will actually escalate the situation but then you hold the boundary because not the time is also what you use when you are trying to break a manipulative and an abusive pattern where your spouse regularly uses anger or intimidation to change your mind for you. I believe manipulation is demonic. It is the authority style of Satan himself. He has no real authority, so he has to fake it. So he has to scare people, lie to them, twist their arms and distort facts. Now, if your spouse is doing any of the above, it's called manipulation. And not the time is the key phrase you can use when they're doing that. So that they experience no progress, no success in using all of their manipulative tactics in a conversation. So you say, not the time you are using threats. When you are ready not to use threats, let's continue this conversation. Or, not the time you are uh, trying to uh, accuse me of something that you know I didn't do. It's manipulative and until you put down that weapon... I'm not prepared to continue this conversation. So in hostile relationships where we don't both intend to have a constructive conversation, but one person actually intends to bulldoze over the other, 
not the time, is a way to stop that. Now there are um, two words. One is clarify and the other is context. The context. And these two are delicate ones for those of you who are a little more sophisticated in communication. Because they are words we use to create a broader understanding of what is going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Context is when I feel you need a broader perspective. And clarify is when you think you need a broader perspective. So let me unpack those. So context is something I say when I know that I am overreacting to what's happening right now or to this particular situation. But the reason I'm I'm responding this way is because I've had enough, because there's really a history, because, because this keeps on happening and I'm not getting through to you and you're not realizing that this is kind of a deal breaker for me. This is a pattern that I am no longer willing to allow. Maybe it's a pattern of you reversing my decisions about the children, or maybe this is a pattern about you overspending whenever we're on vacation, or maybe this is a pattern of me um, humiliating you in front of the kids. Whatever it is that I'm repeatedly doing and that you're now in conflict with me again uh, um, about, you may need to help me see the pattern so that I can understand how serious this is for you and why you are so immovable on this right now. So you get to then say, context. And this means, fair warning, I'm going to dig up the past right now. I don't want to talk about the past. I don't want to rehash every one of these instances that I'm going to mention, but I am mentioning them for the sake of explaining the pattern for explaining the history of why I feel so strongly about this particular point. And you're not allowed to defend any one of the old cases I'm going to put on the table because I'm really not trying to build a slam dunk case. I'm trying to create context. So this is not to strengthen an argument, to win a fight, or to shame you about things that we've already sorted out in the past. This is just me connecting dots so that you can see the bigger picture of the context where I come from. So this would be me saying, I am annoyed right now at, at you allowing our children to take a device into their bedroom. Now I'm saying context and I'm saying, okay, I, I need to explain to you why I feel so strongly about it. And now I'm going to take you back to that time you left the device um, in our child's room after story time and I accidentally stumbled on pornography. So here's the context. That happened. Now I'm not blaming you for them stumbling onto pornography. I'm not blaming you for leaving a device in their bedroom. That's not where this conversation is going. This is saying there is a pattern of children being exposed to unhelpful content on devices, in their bedrooms, and the history makes me dig in my heels, and this is why this is a firm no. So that is the purpose of context. Clarify is a powerful word where you make sure you do not jump to conclusions or make assumptions. 
And it's a great word to use when you're feeling attacked, but you're not too sure that that is how it was intended. And you should not be sure that that is how intended. That is called giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt. That means that person just accused me of being responsible for, let's use the old example, for my child seeing porn. And it was really an accident where it could have happened to anybody. I feel accused. So if you feel accused, if you think this is what the other person is saying, say, clarify. Do you feel I was responsible for our child being exposed to pornography? And then listen to the clarification. So this is basically saying, I feel we're heading into a misunderstanding here. Or I feel there's another component getting introduced in this conversation and I'm, I'm not on board. I need to clarify. This can also be when a person is so emotional I mean, they may not be angry, but they may be really sad and bringing more issues to the table and then clarify is a way to just bring us back to the core of what we are really having this conflict about. So the person just spoke about overspending on vacation. Now they're onto relationship with the in-laws and now they're um, branching off into um, decisions about cars to buy. And then you can say, clarify, do you want us to make a decision about vacation now or do you want us to make a decision about buying our next car? So clarify does both of those things. It says, hey, let's get back to the point. And also, I want to make sure I have the same point as, as you have. And we can call clarify a couple of times in the same conversation and both parties should do that whenever you are not sure what the conflict is about right now. Now, um, I just want to take a quick little detour and talk about boxwoods because I have a lot of boxwood in me. And in the boxwood world, one of our um, talents is to look at all sorts of details, try and find the patterns, try and connect the dots. But that also means that in our mind, when we are having a conflict situation with you, it's very difficult for us to focus on one thing because for us, everything is related. Um, so we do lose track of the main theme of a conversation and we cause 10 issues to land on the table all at once. And that is not helpful. And I hate to say this and I hate to give you permission to force me to focus, but I do want to give you permission to force your box to focus on one and not 10 issues at the same time and clarifies the word that you can use to do just that. And you will have to play this little part of the podcast to your boxwood and try and get them on board. Boxwoods, I'm talking to you now. I promise you, if you tackle one aspect of your disappointment or your unhappiness at a time, you have a much better chance of actually solving something permanently than when you throw things on the table and get nowhere. All right, so that was context and clarify. So we have it facts and territory, which means I know there's something you don't know or understand. Um, so I'm going to make a call here. We had unfair and process and not the time where we are trying to um, Calm down the emotional component of the conversation so that it can remain constructive. And then we had context and clarify, which is about making sure we are 
understanding what the core issue is and also understanding that there are patterns that affect how we handle conflict right now. Now there are three more, perspective, parking lot, and summarize. Now, perspective is a beautiful gift that pine trees and rose bushes often have. They are the big picture people. And they can step in into our conversations and help us see what's really going on in a way that can get us to the end of a conflict faster. Perspective means, okay, I'm kind of objectively trying to listen to both of us talking and I'm listening to what you're saying and I see something here that I think you're not seeing and I want to value what you just said to me. So what I want to share with you is not in disagreement, but it is a suggestion that you look at something that I think you are missing. Now, again, this only works when both of you are in a place of goodwill. When both of you acknowledge that the other person has gifts you don't have. So when you've been married as long as we have and finally um, have allowed temperament information to really become a part of how you process all your communication, then I know my husband has more perspective than I do. I really do. And I need him to interject perspective in many of our conversations. Because I get tunnel-visioned, I get emotional, I overestimate how important certain things are. And then I need him to say, I hear you. I have some perspective. And that means I want to highlight something that could be a solution for you, that could help you put this in the place where it belongs. And I want to do that in the way that still respects what you just shared. It may sound like this. And and here I'm going to use an actual example from our lives where I was going into this whole unfair, digging into the past without using the word context, about how my husband spoils my daughter with too many trips through the drive through So that was kind of the context of the conversation. And I was feeling very, very, very strongly about me being the one who enforces the rules and him being Disney dad. And I hope you're familiar with that term. It's usually applied to stepdads or um, to biological dads who get their kids for the holidays and then go to Disney and never do <laughs> the hard stuff of parenting. But by Palms, to be fair, you know, they're the one one person festive committee. They are the ones who usually provide the entertainment and are the, the entertainment buddies to the children. And sometimes I resent that. And so there was this conversation where I was particularly resentful about needing to be the disciplinary parent and him being the entertainment committee. And he realized that I have opportunities with our daughter that I can use to balance out that role that I have cast myself into. He did not do that. I did that. And so he just said, honey, perspective. And he, he highlighted that, we drive, that I drive her past, her favorite drive-through where there is an item that's just a dollar. That's not going to destroy the budget. And that's not frightfully unhealthy either that I could regularly get for her on the way home from school and still reach all of my goals. 
It does not disrupt schedule. It doesn't completely mess up her diet. And it gets me in her good books without me having to violate any of my own principles. So that was perspective. That's, ooh, I have an idea for you where you can still be you, I can still be me, and you can change this whole perspective of you are the Wicked Witch of the West and I'm Santa Claus. And that perspective is extremely helpful. Parking lot is almost like clarify and links up with that. So clarify is, hey, let's just make sure we know what we're talking about and let's make sure we're not having a misunderstanding here. But then if we realize, okay, this is a new issue. So I do understand you correctly. You also want to talk about this, but whoa, okay, we're not going to talk about two things or 10 things at the same time. But I acknowledge that what you just brought up better be discussed. This has value. Then I can say parking lot. And that means we write it down. We schedule it and we are going to deal with it. We're just not dealing with it in this conversation. The parking lot are important issues to be dealt with later. And once we see that our spouse really is willing to get back to those, we are more willing to park things for later discussion. And honestly, there are many conversations in which four, five, six things end up in the parking lot in quick succession because somebody is wide awake enough to realize it's a new issue it's another one it's another one it's another one which as boxwoods don't always pick up on also not the palm trees and so the more dramatic types need somebody to call parking lot (laughs) then the last one summarize oh that is the hero word well that's the word that the hero of the conversation is going to say and and this is what can absolutely transform the way you have your your arguments. Because when we are desperate enough to actually listen to a podcast like this, to actually say, we need fight words, it's usually because there is a pattern of us talking and talking and talking, getting upset, hurting each other, and not solving our problem. And that is because we kind of get caught in, okay, you've said something, now I need to respond, now I don't feel... You're hearing me, so I have to say something else. Now you are upset because now I'm, you know, and it it just doesn't flow anywhere. And we can't get that to that place of conclusion. Now, when somebody notices we are going in circles, and I actually think everything that needed to be said that's really pertinent to this point has already been said. All of it is out there. We are now just kind of hurting each other. We are now getting off point and we are both still a little bruised but we could actually wrap this up if we decide to get over ourselves that is the point at which you call summarize and this is a very delicate thing to do because you have to be sure that the other person was heard and is now going to feel respected when you call summarize say Summarize, here is what I heard, and here is what I think you understood from my side. What I heard is that you really do care about the rules we make for our children in this house, and that you do respect what I'm trying to achieve, and that you do understand that I sometimes feel that the way you deal with rules make me seem 
or make me act more like Hitler than I really want to. And so I, I hear that we both are serious about how we educate our children, that we both have different ways to go about it. But I think I heard you and you gave me some good and practical perspective. Thank you for that. And I do think we know enough now about how the other person sees it to deal with the next boundary with our daughter in a constructive way. Oh, and I will not use the word Disney dad again in a, in, in a fight because that is not fair. You were right to call unfair when I called you Disney dad, so I'll not do that again. You have never taken the kids to Disney, so you don't deserve that. So that would be a summary. It's a mixture of summarizing the conversational points and taking responsibility for how you added to the unhelpful parts of the argument, owning up to that. And then at the end of that summary, you have to say, is there something I missed? And this gives the other person an opportunity to say, yes, I also don't want you to call me lazy. Or yes, I... We also agreed on this, that, or the other. Or, yes, I'm just concerned that we may not get back to the item I put in the parking lot soon enough. Can we please agree on a time that we will talk about that? Because for me, it is a pressing matter that I would have liked to address today. But um, how soon can we do that? So summary is really making sure both parties feel understood. And sometimes we have summarized too early. That actually happened recently. And in the summary, we both realized, okay, we we don't actually know where we are now and we are not done. And there are unresolved issues. And then we both, almost at the same time, called process. We both realized we are either tired or worked up or under some kind of an attack or just not okay on some level and it probably doesn't have to do with the other person we just both need time we we need to shelve this conversation get back to it see if we can get perspective at a later date and then it is important if we do that to reconnect so whether you had a successful summarize or a not so successful summarize moment. If we agree that this com- this conversation is now coming to an end, there has to be a hug or a kiss or an expression of commitment, something like, honey, I'm never going to leave you. Even if we don't get this figured out to the point where we're on the same page, this is not a deal breaker for me or um, thank you for having this conversation with me, even though we couldn't get on the same page. I love you. Or, I hate that we still disagree, but I don't hate you. Or, I know it feels like we're still on opposite sides of this issue, but I am not your enemy. I am your friend and I want to be your friend. So, any permutation of that sort of a commitment is essential before we walk away from one another. When you call not the time or process, there also also should be a mini version of this. I should have said that earlier. 
So if I say process, I'm saying I want to solve this conflict, but I'm going to need time. That phrase, I want to solve this conflict, is to affirm that I'm not just dodging you. Or if I'm saying not the time, because you are in no condition to have a, a, a proper conversation with me, remember that's the one when we stop abuse or manipulation or a, a, an escalating mood. It's also important to say, I do want to have this conversation with you, but not, not when it's like this. <laughs> not when there's yelling. Or not when you're standing over me holding something up in the air. Not when I feel threatened. Not when you are using abusive language. Um, but that phrase, I do want to solve this with you, that is an important part of our, of our strategy. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Facts. Territory, context, clarify, unfair, process, not the time, perspective, parking lot, summarize. Go and print off a little cheat sheet for you. Um, rewind back to this podcast whenever you need to remember how to do that. And, and if you have something to share about this, go to the blog post on eddiebritz.com. And give some perspective. Or if you have a question that you want me to clarify, go there and I'd be happy to engage with you about that. Happy conflict resolution in your home. Marriage does not have to be friction or fire. Well, some fire, the good fire. But there can be a lot of flow. May that be true for you. 